Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer and director John Hewitt. John Hewitt is well known for his images of athletes such as Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, Allen Iverson, and for the work he's done with brands such as Nike, Bank of America, Titleist, and Oakley, to name a few. I've been a big fan of John's work for many years, so it was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him in depth about all his work and experience within photography. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, uh, John Hewitt, uh, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, I've been following your work for like over 10 years. Uh, so I'm really excited to sit down and talk to you with everything you've done. Um, but I guess just to kind of get into it, I'm just kind of curious what you've been uh, working on lately. Uh, what I've been working on lately? I'm, t- I'm like drawing a blank of what That's I've been fine. doing. I know. I, well, one thing I was interested in, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a lot. Of, I know you do, you do a lot of stuff, so it probably blends together. But I know one project I was interested in talking to you about was uh, you just had the cover of National Geographic. Um, a whole little portfolio in there of like stuff you've been working on. Um, I think it was about like uh, human performance. Um, how was that project to work on, and what kind of stuff were you photographing for that? Um, that was uh, that was that was a call that came out of the clear blue about two months ago, I think it was. Okay. And um, it was uh, the first time that National Geographic ever called me for anything. Oh wow! So that was the first time you so, worked with them. Yeah, I, I'd never, I had never even like gone to meet them or anything like that. I, I just. Thought National Geographic was this sort of <laughs> yeah. castle on the hill that I had no, you know, uh, no luck climbing. But um, and it was to photograph Katie Ledecky, okay. who is um, Olympic champion and um, could possibly end up being the the best U.S. swimmer ever. Mm. Which I know that sounds odd because everybody thinks Michael Phelps, but yeah. she has the same potential and level oh, as, wow. as, as he does. Um, so and I had followed her, and I've, I've been to the was at London and Rio where she competed, and I photographed her in competition, um, and <clears throat> and so the idea was that they wanted to shoot um, her, uh, but they wanted to do it underwater. Okay. And it was specifically for the cover. Um, at the time, we really weren't even talking about any pictures inside, um, so. It was a it, we it was a scheduled shoot for um, it was a Sunday in was it May or April or May um, at Stanford University mm-hmm. um, and uh, we had two hours with her. Okay. Uh, they wanted to make sure that we had options, uh, which is I don't do anything unless I shoot options. Yeah. Um, so we, I basically kind of set up. You know, we were going to go underwater. I had sort of prearranged two sets because they really didn't want the traditional pool background. Mm-hmm. They wanted something that was a little more in limbo. And I had I had done a shoot um, for Mazda in um, Beijing with Michael Phelps, um, where we blacked out th- three quarters of the uh, Olympic-sized pool. Uh, it was actually where they had the water polo for the Olympics, um, and then completely tented it with white fabric yeah i was gonna ask you about that those photos are amazing I, I always looked at those photos i'll link it so people can check it out and i was always curious i was like what is this place because it almost looked like a like a movie set because it was like like you said you had like white silks over it yeah um that yeah that was interesting 
uh, yeah. Which which discussion would you? No, that's <laughs> no, that's fine. No, I'll, I'll, I, I, we can circle back. Yeah, to yeah, that yeah, 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 definitely. definitely. Yeah. Um, so that that was was what uh, the uh, National Geographic had seen and wanted to kind of get sort of close to. Mm. Um, which in 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 a two hour window, that's a little little tougher. Yep. Uh, that was a three day shoot. Um, and a much larger crew, and a, and a much it was an advertising budget, so it was a much bigger budget. Okay, but um, and then also to shoot um, some above water, mm. and again because we were trying to fit it into the cover, that sort of tall narrow cover. Yeah. Um, so it, the only way to do that for for us the, for the work and the time lauded was we um, shot from the diving. We, I was up on top of the diving platform, okay, and shot down on her as she swam underneath. Yeah, um, and when it wasn't, it wasn't a drone. Okay, um, and when you're working on a project like that with Nat Geo, do they kind of have like an idea in mind of already what they want to capture? Or do they kind of just give you a broad idea of what they want and they kind of let you run with it, or how, what are the kind of parameters when you're working on like a cover shoot like that? Generally, when I'm, for me, what um, I, I'm given is sort of the overall. Um, idea of what they're what they're hoping for mm. um and then they kind of let me figure out how to to accomplish that okay um and the other thing is and then i'll try to uh wherever i can i'll try to expand upon it mm-hmm. like i added in uh, doing some quick portraits which okay. they ended up using and it, um it ended up looking i thought fairly nice um, but that wasn't, they never asked for that. Okay. And with that, when you're shooting underwater, um, are you just kind of using, are you using lights that are kind of shooting into the water or, or, or are you just kind of using the natural light when you normally shoot underwater? Is it kind of very, well, <laughs> it, it, it varies every time I do it, but okay. <clears throat> what was interesting, excuse me about that shoot and I, that's fine. The, 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 the people at the magazine don't know this, and I would never tell them. I would never said anything when it happened. But the, the shoot was very quick, is like turnaround time. Okay. So I flew out to San Francisco on Saturday. I got to San Francisco Airport around four o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Drove down to Stanford, went and looked at the location. Came back to the hotel to to um, check all the equipment um, that I had shipped in. And um, found out this was this was about six thirty in the evening. Um, I found out that the uh, underwater housing that uh, was supposed to be shipped to me um, uh, wasn't. Yikes! Uh, we were shooting at six o'clock the next morning, and the whole shoot's based on shooting underwater. It's also based on shooting with strobes, and there is very specific equipment that yeah I need to fire strobes above the water. Yep. And I had none of that. Yikes. So um, what do you do? Is like panic mode? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, you might panic for a few minutes. You can't, you can't do it for too long. But yeah. um, So immediately, uh, luckily, I had a really good local crew. Mm-hmm. And I, I called them, and I'm like, you know any photographer in the San Francisco area that has an underwater housing? Yeah. And um, after a couple of hours of phone calls and searching and Googling and... Um, we found a guy who had the basically the same housing that um, I was renting. Wow! Because uh, it was for a 5D Mark IV. Okay. And and he was it was available. I, we could get it. And um, the but the the problem was is that um, we had nothing but strobes. Um, so we 
and we couldn't hook to the strobes. Oh, yeah. There was no way to fire the strobe. So luckily, um, again, the local crew was excellent. I was able to get at the very last minute, like, I mean, we're talking like 11 o'clock at night, where they threw on a couple of um, HMI panels, okay. RA panels, yeah. onto the grip truck. And so we lit that with, with those panels. Damn, that's that's wild. I mean, that's kind of like, I guess, you feel like that's like half the job being a professional photographer is just kind of putting out those fires because every day you probably never know what you're going to run into. Like, you can be prepared as you want, but you never know what you're going to run into, I guess, yeah. Well, it was also the thought going through my mind. It's like, okay, it's my first shoot with National Geographic, <laughs> and I, I, I just can't call them and tell them that I don't have the right equipment to do this. It's just not going to happen that way. Yeah. Um, but I also learned a long time ago when I was an assistant um, because I... We had a big shoot, and um, this is when I was working for a photographer in town here named Al Fisher. Okay. And it was a big fashion shoot, and I was very excited about it because we didn't do a lot of fashion. It was He was more of a product photographer. Mm. And um, it was going to be up on Singing Beach um, at sunrise. And I, I, you know, so pumped about the whole thing happening, and I packed, thought I packed everything. And... Um, we're going to run a smoke machine and we have lights out on the beach and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And I get there and we have 25 feet of, of extension cord. Jeez. <laughs> and no tripod. And Al always shot on a tripod. Okay. And, and the worst part of it was no Polaroid back. Yikes. And, <laughs> and I had to go, obviously I had to go over and tell him that we don't have these things. Yeah. And the studio is, you know, 38 miles back in Boston. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was, it was, it, he, he was the calmest person I've ever seen. He goes, okay. Um, we, he asked the second assistant, he goes, you know, anybody around here could give me a tripod? Yeah. Uh, you know, anybody could get some extension cords? We, he knew, he did know somebody like I think in Beverly, so he could drive down there quickly to get it. Yeah. Um, and he just looked at me, he goes, make sure, because we were shooting also in this a sunset shot of this, make sure that you have it for this afternoon. And, he, and then he convinced the client that he never shoots with Polaroid. Wow. Just, I've ne- he goes, no, I, I don't need it. I don't, I don't need that. I won't do that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a salesman right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we go to the do shoot, we go, we go back to the shoot, we get stuff, and he, he still has not said a word to me. And we go and do the sunset shot, and we have all the stuff, and then um, he convinced them that he brought Polaroid just for them. And um, the next day, I'm, I'm waiting for like the, the, the hammer to drop. Yeah. You know, it's, and the next day, um, he calls me in the office and... and um, sits me down and, and I, it's like, are you going to like yell at me about tomorrow, about yesterday? Okay. He goes, no. He goes, I want you to remember this. Um, and the most important part I want you to remember is, is that you never, ever let the client know there's something wrong. Mm. If I started yelling at you and screaming at you, then the client would know that there's something wrong. We'll, we'll fix whatever we have to fix. We'll have to do whatever we have to do to fix it. But you can never let the client know and so I've done that through my career. Yeah, it's smart. It's because they're, they're, they're contracting you because you're the pro. You're the one who knows how to deal with this. So it's like any, if you set that panic, then they're going to start to panic. So it's like you just got to, I guess, take a step back and 
figure out what you got to do to fix the problem. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, I heard a photographer mention, say this once in, in one of the in an interview sort of like this. Yeah. Is that, you know, a client was complaining that they were paying him so much money and, and the shot only took 10 minutes. Yeah. And in, the photographer just politely said, well, you're not paying me for the 10 minutes it takes me to, to do the photograph. You're, ta- you're paying me for the 20 years of experience so I can do it in 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a, you don't hire a plumber because it takes him 10 minutes to fix your toilet. You fix him because he has the knowledge to, <laughs> that you don't have. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, but I guess to kind of go back a little bit, um, where do you grow up and like how did you kind of get into photography initially? Uh, I grew up in a little town in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's called Trenum. Mm. It's about 20 miles north of Pittsburgh. Okay. Um, and I, 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 you know, I... I, I sort of normal route of finding photography was you know a couple of you could take it as a class in high school okay um it was it was sort of one of the basket weaving classes for the football team (laughs) and uh, i mean i did i I didn't play football but um it was just to me it was just another art class i could take okay because every they had quite a few and i wasn't like what i would say is a very academic student um i was more of a visual person okay and so art, I would get great grades, and that would make up the difference between the bad grades in English. But anyway, um, I, when I started taking the classes, I really enjoyed it. Um, and then it ended up being that uh, when we would have assignments, that I don't, I, and like I said, it was, there was probably about eight or nine football players. And I, these are people I knew, they were friends of mine, yep. um, in the class, and they would never do the assignment. I would go out and shoot 10 different things and I would hand out the pictures before class. Okay. So out of the 15 people in class, 10 of the photos were mine that the <laughs> teacher was critiquing and giving the grades on. That's hilarious. You're giving your buddies the photos that you had the homework for. <laughs> and, you know, I know the teacher, I mean, he never said anything about it, but he had to have known that I was doing that because I was the only one in the dark room. Yeah. You know, I'm in there printing for three hours and he doesn't see the football team in there printing at all. So, um, <laughs> That's hilarious. What kind of stuff were you uh, photographing when you initially got into it? Was it like always sports for, for you from the beginning or was this kind of mix of mix matches stuff? Uh, when I first started out my, yeah, as a, a professional? Or? No, just, no, just like when you're like a kid in high school and stuff. What kind of stuff were you photographing? Well, it was, it was high school was pretty much... Um, anything and everything yeah like, it was family it was uh some sp- sporting events mm-hmm. um wasn't like i was like oh i want to be a sports photographer okay. sort of thing um it was you know working on the yearbook staff okay um and it was another um thing where the um there was myself and and three other people on the yearbook staff and all of the photos that are, came from a student came from me no one else on the staff had one photo in the book <laughs> and they made another person the photo editor yeah which i was so upset about yeah. that if you look at my yearbook there's a picture of the photo staff and it says missing john you i wouldn't go but um yeah it was just all sort of general things and then uh i i guess to to get to where I am is that that when I got out of school, I wasn't planning on going to college. Okay. What you- and so I just was like working at odd jobs around the town that I lived in. Mm-hmm. And I was visiting my older brothers at colleges on the weekends. Okay. And seeing how much fun that was. 
and all, of course, I've always, I'm, all I was seeing was, you know, the partying. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I decided I, I, I think I need to go to college someplace, but I had never, like, thought, like, what do I want to do? And the yearbook photographer, the official yearbook photographer who did all the portraits and everything like that, um, he drove a really nice car. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I can do photography, and I know it makes some money because he drives a nice car. So yeah. if I can make enough money to drive a nice car... You know, I can do this. And so I applied to um, the basic photography schools and ended up at the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale. Oh, wow. Um, how's that experience going to school down there? Did you kind of have like, a, when you're down there shooting, did you kind of have a goal in mind for the type of photography you thought you wanted to do maybe? Or is it this kind no, of... Uh, no, actually wasn't quite that um, monumental. It was, it was more... I had a choice between the Art Institute of Pittsburgh and the Art Institute in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, it sounds better. And, um, <laughs> More, and, warmer um, weather. <laughs> I'm 18 years old. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, but the one thing that that um, did come out of out of being there, because I never, it was just basically two things. One um, was advertising was the way I wanted to go. Okay. And um, two, the the sort of big revelation for me was that. I had done, uh, they had an overseas study, so we could go to, uh, over to Europe for six months and study. And, and basically it was, it was in my second year and it was um, for the first time in my life actually focusing on nothing but photography for all that time. Mm-hmm. And up until then, I, you know, it was school, but I also worked a job and there was a lot of other things going on and it was... You know, that it wasn't photography right there. Mm. And I started finding myself um, using the knowledge that I had gained up until that point to say, oh, okay, I'm in this situation. I need to do it this way. And, I, if, and, I'll, and if I work off to this side and shoot this way, the light will be better this way. Mm. And, the, um, and then also the combination of going to basically all the best museums in the world and seeing all of the best art in the world and having non knowledge of that too from growing up and kind of all that stuff going together um when i came back i had to print my assignment portfolio mm. yeah uh, to get it graded and i was in the dark room and there was a photograph that i had seen in my head before i took the photograph and this is basically maybe two months later um and so I had seen it in my head, I saw it on the negative, and I was in the dark room, and it came up in the developer exactly how it was in my head. Nice. And for the first time, I just looked at that, and I was like, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. This is just, to me, it was the most amazing thing, just to see that thing, that image that came from inside of me, like, yeah, you made you, up you made it happen from yeah. an, an idea, and then it actually came to fruition. Um, so I guess like once you kind of got out of school, right, like you mentioned, you always knew you kind of wanted to get into advertising. Um, what was kind of your next step, kind of getting into the photography uh, business? I guess. Well, I I had um, when I got out of school, I I, I went back to Pittsburgh um, and took my portfolio around, thinking that I was going to get lots of jobs. <laughs> Which pretty much you get laughed at because I guess you're, it's a student portfolio. Yeah. You know, come back, you know, when you have something real. Um, I got kind of disillusioned with the whole thing. Mm. And I, I, so I took off for a year and I just traveled. Okay. Uh, I worked as a bartender. I don't think I picked up a camera for oh, a wow. year. Uh, and then I came up to Boston to visit um, Dwight and Mary Olmsted, who were uh, two people that I'd gone to school with. 
because they had opened a studio up here, and I just came up to visit. Mm-hmm. And um, I really liked Boston. I thought it was a nice, nice type place. And I, and they said that they would give me work as a, an assistant whenever they had work because they were just starting out also. Okay. And so that's how I ended up in Boston. And then they did a lot of um, they did advertising and catalog work, and so that sort of fit into what I was doing. So I assisted them for a while, and then um, after a couple of years of that, I got a, a full-time job with um, Al Fisher, okay. who I talked about earlier. Mm. Um, and Al was sort of like a graduate school for me. It was like getting my master's degree. He taught me how to be a professional. Okay. Um, and he, he taught me, he showed me a, a photography that I had never seen before and, and, and didn't know about and explained it all to me. To, my knowledge of photography got much bigger. That's where I found out about Irving Penn okay and fell in love I, I saw my first platinum print an Irving Penn print he had gone down to a show in New York and bought three Irving Penn prints damn <laughs> back when you could still do that <laughs> yeah and um I just I love black and white and love printing and I looked at that and I'm like this is just yeah it's amazing mind-blowing what kind mind-blowing. of what kind of stuff was uh Al working on what kind of things were you um, assi- assisting him with Al was um he was one of the big, big three in Boston at the time, and uh, he did a variety of stuff from advertising. Uh, where all, most of it was advertising work, some and catalog, and um, a lot of computer stuff, a lot of shoe stuff, which was back then that was that was big. Um, in studio, uh, not a lot of location work, um, a lot of a lot of tabletop stuff, but it was tabletop stuff that won awards. Okay, and it was you know it was huge shoots and. Um, his his mastery of lighting to me was was what really helped me see things better that's awesome so you think it was useful uh, experience to kind of spend some time being an assistant working under a guy who's been doing it for a while um i i would say yes i mean you could the more knowledge you get the better mm-hmm. um it doesn't seem to kind of go that way now which which is fine, you know. If if you, if you now you there's more outlets for people now to, to show their work and get their work out there. Yeah. Um, back then it was basically call, make an appointment, and and bring your portfolio if you can get an appointment. Yeah. Um, that was another thing that um, the benefit of working with Al is he worked with all the big advertising agencies in town, and all the senior creative directors would come to him, mm-hmm. and they would always bring their associate creatives with them, and they, those people were more my age, um, and they're people that I met that I worked with then that I that I still am great friends with today. Yeah, and and so getting into that network when I decided to go out on my own, um, I was able to pick up the phone and call the creative director and say, hey, you know, can I come up and and show you my book? And then when I'd get there, you know, I'd say, listen, I'm. I'm not Al Fisher, I'm not Clint Clements, but, you know, if you have something that you sort of want that, but you can't afford them, call me. hey, call me. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's like the hardest thing, like when you're first starting out, it takes a long time, and for me, I didn't realize it, I mean, I've been doing it for like 10 years, and I feel like I just started now, is it's like getting your foot in the door is like the hardest thing, it's like meeting those people, so I think that, it feels like that's like half the battle, is being able to get in the door, and obviously you have to have good work, but that's... uh, I think the other benefit of it is, and again, that's and this all depends on who you're working for. If you end up with a full time thing, you actually get to see a little bit more of the whole process. Yeah. Um, instead of trying to, to guess at it, um, and and not that the process is that complicated to do a, do a photo shoot. It's it's there's kind of a standard pattern to it. You mm-hmm. know, you 
casting and locations and all this sort of stuff. But knowing how to do that, how to put the estimate together for that yeah. is, 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 I think, is a big help. Oh, yeah, definitely. And um, even it's like uh, handling clients and marketing stuff, I would imagine it's a big part of it. And I was lucky with Al, too, because after I started, I could still call him okay. and say, hey, what... You know what? What should I bill for this? Yeah. Should I do this? And he was very—he was always great with information. And I've tried to be that way with mm. anybody who's assisted me in the past. Yeah, I think it's smart because it, it's like—I've uh, said it a million times on here. The photo community is a small community in the grand scheme of things, and like it can go each way. Like other, if you're if you're busy for a job, you can someone can recommend you, and it kind of this bounces back and forth. Like I've had so many times where friends have been busy, they 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 refer me and it's like this i think it's good to like help other people with that kind yeah of and and sometimes that's it's not the way this industry works yep and and you know there's um who said that somebody said that photographers are like spiders they're, <laughs> they're seldom seen together <laughs> i know i know I, I i get it man it's tough out here <laughs> um but i guess at the point when how did you kind of branch off on your own and I, I know you kind of touched on it a little bit but was there kind of like a, was it like a gradual thing where you kind of just stopped assisting or was it this kind of a clean break or how did you kind yeah, of yeah when I when I decided to work as an assistant um, for Al full time it was for 18 months yeah. it specifically and at the end of 18 months I was going to go out on my own was that your idea or is that that, this? that was that was my idea okay wow um, and it, it was just sort of how like I got hired like in June and I figured oh end a year and one more year and that would give me enough time to sort of get ready I and I you know found a loft space worked it there at night fixing that up so I could live there and, and shoot there and okay that sort of thing and um then I at, at that that exact mark I that's smart, man. It lit the fire, man. It gave you the pressure. You got to make it happen. So you're kind of like assisting and then kind of shooting your own stuff and kind of building your portfolio at the same time you're assisting for Al. Yeah. And then what kind of did you, what kind of stuff were you shooting at that point? I mean, I know looking at your website now, like a lot of it's sports and obviously you do like lifestyle stuff and a bunch of different things. But when did kind of sports come in the mix? I guess. Well, back in Boston, back then, this is thirty. 32 years ago mm-hmm. um, the market was so much different okay um, there there was a, a big shoe market here um, Reebok was just here Converse was here yeah um, Puma was here um, so when but when I first started out you just shoot anything and everything yep you know you just what you just want to you want to make some money so you can pay the rent hell yeah um, and I've shot a lot of computer parts okay uh, I shot uh one of my first actually big shoots was I photographed a rusty bolt. Oh, oh really? What yeah. was that for? <laughs> it was for some rust removal thing. Okay. And it was with one of the senior creative directors that I had met at Al's studio. He's like, we just need a couple rusty bolts. And then I, I, a lineup of the product, the cans, the, you know, the, the product. And um, I can't remember what the headline was, but it was a really good headline. Right, the copy of it was 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 really good, and it ended up winning a Hatch Award. Okay, and so all of a sudden, there's my name associated with the Hatch Award. Yep, and then some computer parts, same thing. Great headline, it's just on white background, like uh, motherboards, it was called, <laughs> and it won and, uh, more Hatch Awards. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, okay, I'm winning some awards now. Phone I mean, start, phone starting to ring. Well, no, not really. <laughs> but then a lot of shoes and a lot of stuff like that, and then. Um, the 
there in town here there's a magazine called Ultra Sport, mm-hmm. and I I hadn't really sh- thought about sh- shooting sports or doing advertising because there really at that time wasn't a ton of it. Okay. Um, it wasn't like there is now. Yeah, because it was like because I was like because like back then it was like uh, I'm sure it's even before that like Michael Jordan was like the first big athlete to like have these big endorsements with like Gatorade and stuff. So it wasn't even like that back then, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean that had. That's uh, important. I don't even think he was around then. I don't think he was in. Or he, I don't think he was in the league yet. Yeah. When that first started, but um, and Nike and the, the whole Reebok thing thing wasn't going on at the time i mean at the time reebok was a much bigger shoe yeah. company than nike was yeah and adidas was a, was bigger than both of them mm. but this magazine was about uh, uh triathletes okay and um so it was ultra sport magazine so they 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 talked about triathlons and stuff like and then and i uh got in and to see if i could do some editorial work with them and i worked with the assistant photo editor and we just did product stuff. We shot shoes, okay. basically. Um, and at one point, I'd been shooting with them for, I don't know, six or seven months. And the I found out from the assistant editor that they are going to redesign the magazine. And they're looking for somebody to shoot the first new cover and do a um, uh, more of a fashion spread. And I... I, I was at the time shooting some catalogs, which in Boston that was considered fashion at the time. Okay, just like on white models and stuff. Yeah, like some, yeah. some stuff out on locations and stuff okay. too. Um, I was doing some maternity catalogs. Okay. <laughs> women with fake stomachs. And um, the so so I said, you know, get me in with the editor or the, the photo editor and let me at least, at least show my portfolio. Right? Mm-hmm. And this was on a... Um, a Thursday and I went in and met with them and they were very nice and they're like you know we really like your work everything you're doing with us has, has been great um, but this is just not what we're looking for for this this new thing you know we'll, you know we'll definitely keep using you but they were very nice and I said okay and um, <clears throat> I said as I was walking towards the door I said you know if I could show you, when are you making the decision on this thing? And they said, we're going to make it on Monday morning. And this is about 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and it was a summer day. And I said, well, if I could show you something by Monday morning, would you still consider me? And the, the editor said, well, yeah, you, if you, but you don't have to do that, you know. And I said, it's, I said, it's like no problem. Like, it's no pressure, whatever. Um, and then the, the, the editor of the magazine, the, the head editor, said to me, he goes, well, if you like pressure so much, show us something tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> he was totally joking. Yeah, yeah. And this is before digital. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I, went, I had to go back to the studio. I couldn't pick up a cell phone. I had yeah. to go back to the studio. I made some phone calls to models that I knew, friends that I knew. Um, I said, I need somebody this afternoon. I called a stylist. Can you give me some sportswear? I need some athletic stuff. We'll meet down in Southie, down at the beach. We'll shoot some stuff out on the beach. Um, and then, you know, do, do the same thing tomorrow morning. And then you got to process the it's film and everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. It had to go, it had to go to color tech and get it, get it through the lab. And, um, so by five o'clock the next day, I had put 12 pictures. I had prints. I had prints made. Holy shit. Of more of the sportswear fashion thing that they had 
been talking about, right? Uh, yep. And, so, and I just, I handed it to them. And then Monday, they gave the job to Clint Clements. Oh, <laughs> shit, man. I thought they were going to be like, we gave you the job, kid. <laughs> Still an amazing story. Like, this, the fact, it, do you feel like that's a big part of, like, being a photographer is just, like, you have to make stuff happen on your own. Like, I think a lot of, like, younger photographers could look at your website and be like, oh, yeah, John has started shooting Tiger Woods and all these famous athletes. But it's like, do you feel like you have to, like, kind of create that work to make those opportunities happen for yourself, kind of? Yeah, and, and, and the, 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 the finish of that story was is that um, they ended up, because of that, they ended up doing what was going to be the last... Uh, issue of the old design Mm -hmm. Um, they asked the assistant photo editor to do a story on foul weather running and so she asked me to do it with her and I and for some reason that summer it rained every weekend I said okay we'll shoot on the weekend we'll get a couple people who were in the the shots that I had bought before the friends and and we went out and it rained and we shot all this people running in the rain yeah and when they got it back they liked that so much that they moved the redesign of the magazine up one issue. So I ended up getting that. Wow. Then I ended up being asked to reshoot the cover that um, they had shot for the what was going to be the new one. Mm-hmm. And then um, the advertising agency, the, the same person I did the rusty nut and bolt with, yeah. he, was, he was working on a uh, trade campaign for the magazine. And he was at, went down to their offices to talk to them and saw the photos that I had shot on the editor's desk and asked who did this and they told him and he's i know and i got a phone call that day from him to shoot the whole trade campaign wow and then they ended up buying 10 of the 10 of the 12 images to do as mock-up covers on the trade things on the trade ads and these and all these trade ad, uh, trade ads were double page spreads mm. in trade magazines so now they're the whole industry is seeing them everywhere and then they end up winning a bunch of awards and yeah. So yes, it, it, I think you got to have that hustle. I think you have to you have to create your own luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you can be very lucky about it, you know being in the right place at the right time, but making sure that you actually take advantage of that. Mm. And it, to me, it's, I always uh, in the back of my mind, I'm always constantly thinking that I'm not doing enough. Okay. And that fear has never left for some reason, mm-hmm. and and it's also I'm never satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I've heard other photographers say this, but you might have heard this too, but it's, it's like the, I'm more worried about the photo I didn't get yep. than the one I have in my camera. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I wish I had this one. Oh, well, I have all these other ones here, but I, but this one I missed. Yeah. You know? No, that's interesting. Yeah, because you feel like even at this point in your career, you still need to like challenge yourself and like create new work to put it out there and just kind of keep pushing. I, I, I think I, I every day mm-hmm. I, I think about that. Yeah. Every day I'm, I'm constantly trying to figure out something new to do something different uh, constantly looking at other people's work mm-hmm. seeing what's going on out there trying to keep everything as as fresh as i can yeah uh that's awesome and i guess like when like how you're kind of talking about the early stuff you're doing like did you kind of have a goal in mind like for the type of work you wanted to do like um how did you kind of get to the point where you are now where you're kind of photographing all these big campaigns for like nike and you're photographing tiger woods and like every, every every athlete, all the famous Paul Pierce and everybody you've shot, how did it kind of get to that point, you think? Um, well, I think it, it's it's almost the same f- formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 
like I, I had shot for Reebok because, uh, again, it was an, another creative director I met when I was an assistant mm. who was closer to my age, and he was doing a lot of Reebok work. So okay. we, we kind of went in and um, made what, at the time, um, because there was a lot of catalog stuff work being done here, mm-hmm. and Reebok had basically did a lot of catalog stuff, not a lot of ad work necessarily, but a lot of catalog stuff. And they had just done a catalog with Herb Ritz. Wow. Which um, was a beautiful catalog. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it was, you know, he, he basically had dancers. Okay. And, and they, it was sports stuff, but it was not, they're not playing the sports correctly. You could see <laughs> that like, that, this, is, this is not a basketball player. This is a dancer who's doing like an amazing jump in the air with a basketball, but not quite right. Um, and so our idea was to go in and pitch it as, a, as actual, go out and shoot actual sports. And we shot it as best we possibly can that way. And then that led to a, doing a, a shoot with um, the, a tennis magazine at the time that was sort of a really high-end tennis magazine. Mm. And it was much more almost a fashion sort of a thing of tennis. Okay. And I did a, a, an editorial on that. And somebody saw that at Wyden Kennedy, the advertising agency for, for Nike. And I got a call at lunch and, and on a Friday and said, do you have, you know, or first, are you available next week? Uh, yes. Um, have you shot tennis before? Yes. Um, can you send the portfolio out for tomorrow's delivery um, to Portland? Yeah. Yes. So I call my agent. She sends it, the portfolio out. Um, I get a phone call like two o'clock that af- next afternoon on Saturday. It was uh, from Susan Hoffman, was a senior partner at Wyden Kennedy. Wow! And there was she was there, she was ha- hosting a birthday party for her kid, and so I, all I'm hearing is like kids screaming in the background. <laughs> She's like, "Can you shoot this? Have you ever done this?" Can you shoot? And of course, I why I can't even remember all the questions, but I answered yes, yes to yes, everything. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> And she goes, can you get on a plane on Monday to come to Florida? Um, we're shooting um, Andre Agassi. Wow. And that was the first, that was the first um, thing for Nike. That's me. Was that like kind of the first big like, professional athlete you had photographed at that point? No, I had, for, I had photographed Larry Bird for, Conver, uh, for Converse. That was probably my very first big name. Oh, wow. How was that experience? Was that uh, being like the first big professional athlete was like a big pressure for you? Or you kind of no, it was actually good because it, was, it, was, it helped me realize one thing that uh, when I was shooting it, it was, it was, it was, it was for a poster for, for Converse. And it was him standing on a, like a base of a statue okay. with all his accomplishments chiseled into the statue. Mm. And this is like supposed to go on a kid's, in a kid's room. That's what the poster is supposed to be. Right? And we're shooting four by five and he's standing up there and he was very nice, very professional. Okay. And, um, the art director was behind me and I like, I had gotten the photograph. There was not, I mean, it's only, you only got a couple of poses standing on a, as a statue, right? And I pretty much thought I got it. Mm-hmm. And the guy, the, the art director behind me kept saying, shoot more, shoot more, we want to shoot more, shoot more. So I started shooting more. And then at one point, Larry Bird said, oh, yeah, that's enough. Okay. And he got down and walked out. <laughs> and I got so mad at that. I'm like, how dare he walk off my set? And I'm like, who the hell am I, right? Yeah. Uh, but I, I, that was the thought that went through my, my you know, I, I, you know what if I just walked in the middle of a Celtics game and took the basketball away from him and said, hey, that's enough basketball yeah, for today. Yeah, that's enough basketball, yeah. Um, but then I, I, so I was talking with his agent, and um, and it, I don't know how we got around to the conversation, but that, that basically she said, you know, 
you did really well. Mm-hmm. I said, I said, no, I said, I mean, you walked out. He goes, she goes, if you, if you were taking too many Polaroids or you look like you were making adjustments on lights and everything like that. Yeah. So he would have walked out then. Okay. He, he, you actually got him for a long period of time. So he, he actually liked you. Yeah. And it made me think like realizes that, that I'd have no control over them. They, they will only do what, what they're, they're going to do. Yeah. And I'm going to get paid either way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to do the best I possibly can. But if I don't get it, if they don't want to cooperate, there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, it's only so much you can do. And so, so it made me feel a lot more comfortable going into the situations. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think it made me, the interaction you have to have with these guys, uh, it made me a lot more comfortable with that too. Mm-hmm. Because you don't, I mean, you're not, you're not there to make friends with them. You're there to get do a job Mm. um but you also want to make them feel comfortable especially you know if if it's a a newer athlete or younger athlete you know who's just starting their professional career they might not have been a lot of photo photo shoots yeah so you got to get them relaxed and 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 into it and then the older ones who who know like tiger woods knows what to do there's nothing i I, really nothing i can tell him i can stand over here and you know hit a three iron (laughs) and he he'll you know he does everything and and he's very good about it i mean he's like yeah, like boom, 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 boom. This is business for him. Yeah, um, and kind of going out there, you kind of touch on it there, but like, how do you kind of deal with like? I'm sure you run into it sometimes where you have dis- difficult personalities, and you're you're shooting this like big ad campaign where they're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars, and they're trying to convey the, convey their message, but sometimes like, how do you deal with those difficult personalities? You think is it this kind of like this coaching them through it, what you're trying to capture? Or? Yeah. I, I, Again, it's. I think if it's in the um, sort of initial ex- explanation of what you have to do, mm-hmm. um, and I don't, um, I, I try not to sort of sugarcoat anything, mm-hmm. uh, and I kind of go in and like the Larry Bird thing is, I try to be as prepared as I possibly can, so they don't look like they look at me and know that I'm know what I'm doing, yeah. and then I just say, listen, we have to get this, 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 and this, yeah. and um, if they if I say uh, you have to. You know, I need you to dunk a basketball. Here's how many times I want you to do it. Okay. Is that all right? Okay. And when we've got to that number, I stop and I move on to something else. Okay. And they're good with that. You know, if you're straight up with them, and, and most of the times they'll be straight up with you. I, I, I haven't really, I can't give you like a specific person who I really had a difficult time with. There okay. were people who were there very short yeah. periods of time. I, uh, Brett Favre, I had five minutes. Wow! I knew that coming in that I had five minutes, and when when we were at three minutes, the the PR guy for the uh, the Packers like said, uh, "Wrap it up." Yeah. I'm like I got two minutes. <laughs> do you, do you enjoy that type of challenge when you only get five minutes? Is that kind of like a a challenge for you at this point? Or is this kind of? It's not that it's a challenge. There's only so much you, things you can do. Yeah. So you, you have don't... to think of like, okay, this I, I this okay, this is our main shot that we have to have. Mm-hmm just get that yep and then and you move on like i said you get i still send my bill in if he gives me five minutes or he gives me five hours yeah um and but you again it's that photo you don't have yeah it's the one you think about it's like okay i could have done this with him i wish i could have done that with him if i had time i would have been able to do this i would have did this setup Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing yeah that's wild and you know one thing i was interested in talking to you about is like uh kind of talking about you kind of started off shooting all the studio stuff and like the rusty nail and then uh looking at your website now a lot of it's like sports and whatnot um was there a point where you thought it was like 
uh, smart to like create like a niche for yourself like kind of build your like sports portfolio or did all this kind of evolve naturally or do you think it's like important to have like a niche in this business yeah that's 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 one of my my questions that that i'm i uh I go back and forth with, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's not necessarily with myself. It's usually with someone else. I'm going back with that conversation, but I've never looked at myself as a niche. Okay. I look at myself as a photographer. Definitely. And I I don't see myself. I don't s- say that I'm a sports photographer. If somebody says, "What kind of photography do I do?" Well, I do advertising. I do a lot of different things. Mm. But to me. Um, the 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 discipline of shooting cars uh, or children is the same as discipline for me as shooting sports yeah there are a lot of amazing car photographers out there who i couldn't even come close to what they do and there's amazing kids photographers same thing and i don't percept you know say that i I can do it as good as they can i i I can't but I, i to me i do what i can do as a photographer yeah so it's it um you know you're asking what i did recently you know i've done i shot a golf course okay i've shot a national geographic cover underwater um from and i i went down to the um anti-gun protest and shot that Hmm. which all three of them are completely Different. different things yeah um completely different discipline different looks pretty much shot them all with the same camera yeah you know, and 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 got different results for all of them. Yeah, and I think that's the fun thing about being a photographer. It gives you a reason to explore different things. Like, you don't have to pigeon your whole, pigeonhole yourself in one thing. And like looking at your website, you've done all types of interesting stuff with like healthcare. You've shot campaigns for Jack Daniels and all the sports. It's it this kind of fun for you to kind of bounce around and shoot different things. Just kind of challenge yourself, I guess. Yeah, it, it, well, I think to me it's just again it's 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 a photograph. Yeah. So how do I best accomplish this problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's sort of how I look at it. And and I also you know the the fact that um, there's I, I do I do live events like the Olympics. Yep. Um, which is a completely different you know thing from advertising. Yeah. You know, advertising. I've got you know three assistants. Lighting, stands, catering, you know, nice hotels, um, <laughs> dinners with the client. Um, and then the Olympics. Now, I, I have dinners with the client, but then and we stay in nice hotels. But it's me, a digital tech, yeah. and the camera's on my back. Go to, an, go to a venue at, at, in the morning. You might never have been in that venue. You, you see where it is. You figure out where the photo positions are. You figure out what's the best angle you can get a picture from. Yep. You shoot it for an hour and a half, and you leave. Yeah. And then you go someplace else. You go to you know a, a bus, to a trolley, to a bus, to something else, and then you go same thing over again. Mm-hmm. And you do that three times a day. Yep. For eighteen days. Wow. And so and it's so that's just like a totally different mindset. And and again, that is what's one of those situations where. The guys who do it every day, the, the sports photographers, I just I'm, I'm in awe of those guys. What they can do, yeah. And, and, I, and I never profess that I, I do what they do. I just do what I can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I most of the time I wish I could do what I do. But the, the one of the coolest things about like being at the Olympics yeah. is that the in the photo rooms, 
um, the, each venue has one, and then there's a main press center. Yep. And there's a photographer's rooms in each one of these places. And you can be... Uh, you can have be thinking you're having a great day. I like, oh yeah, I think I got some really good shots of uh, you know fencing today and <laughs> basketball and stuff. And then you walk around. And there's 300 photographers yep. sitting there with their laptops. Hey, what's he got? And what's you, he and got? You, you, you walk around and, and and it's and it's you know it's from different parts of the world. So there's you know Asian photographers, there's European photographers, African photographers, South American photographers, mm-hmm. and you you. you see the 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 different disciplines and the different mindsets and you like walk around and you just like walk out depressed like <laughs> i think i got shit today that, that, that's that's no no you can swear all you want it's a podcast. <laughs> uh, that's amazing to hear because like for me i'm like such a big fan of your work and like i would never think a guy like you because looking at your work i'd be like john probably just walks in this probably like this i'm gonna kill this one but it's just amazing to hear like a guy with everything you've done you still like feel like that like you still need to like keep pushing work when you're looking at other people's stuff that's just like amazing to hear um that's what that's what i think is really amazing about the industry that we work in yeah um and it's changed a lot it's you know now that's digital and instagram and everything like that it's just still to me, it's just, it just keeps getting better and better. Yep. I mean, I, there's photographs I could have never gotten 20 years ago because I have a digital camera that can see in the dark practically. Yeah, seriously. You know, so it's like it just expands what you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, the whole debate about which is better, film or digital. I don't think, it, I mean, in my opinion, it's like, it's whatever, it's, it's content, it's creative ideas. And like maybe whatever camera is gonna help you execute that. I'm not a big gearhead. I don't. Th- I think it's the idea and the content. Like interesting. If it's like interesting portrait or something. You know what I mean? You could take it on your freaking cell phone. Or it doesn't matter. I don't know. You know that's the old thing. You know what's what's the best camera in the world? It's the one you have with you. It's for real. <laughs> yeah, it's you know I've taken pictures with this this phone here that have won awards and I've done it with cameras that cost sixty thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree. It's just, it's your mind. It's like, it's, I, it's, it is. <laughs> and, and it's like, it, uh, you know, if film is what you like to do and you feel good about that, it, film's the greatest thing in the world. If digital is what you really are into, that's also, yeah. if you want to do alternative processes, yeah. that's, that's great because we have this ability to do all this stuff. That's the best part of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and if you, if you, uh, for me, if, if I limited myself to just one kind of thing, then I, I, I I'd go crazy. Yeah. I, I got to try something different. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And um, to go back a little bit, you kind of mentioned the Olympics a little bit. I was just kind of curious how you kind of got involved with photographing the Olympics. And do you kind of remember the first Olympic Games you photographed? Yeah. I. Um, this is, again, these are another phone call um, from, from a guy who worked for the Salt Lake Olympic Committee. He okay. was a designer. Um, and what a lot of people don't know is that, that the Olympic, the local Olympic committee, the people who organize the Olympics for that t- city, mm-hmm. that starts out with a couple of dozen people when they first get the bid. And then by the time the games actually start, it's four or 500 people who are working it. And inside of that is basically a complete advertising and design studio. Yep. Um, because everything has to be, there's so much that has to be done, um, even to the point where, like, they have to produce a brochure that tells you how to um, 
wrap the flowers that they give to the athletes when they win a medal so that every time that they give that out it's it's the exact same thing Mm -hmm. but it's a it's a full on manual on how to do that and somebody has to photograph it and somebody has to put it together and put type to it and everything like that so it's a it's a piece and one guy who i worked with um he had to uh he's, he's i think he's like a year out of design school when he got the job and one of his first things was they said okay listen you have to go up to toronto and we want you to pick out a train and then we need you to retrofit the train for the torch relay so he, he basically went and picked trains like full size you know commuter rail trains or whatever you want to call them and 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 he had to re, he redesigned the outside and the inside wow and somebody did it that's amazing. you know it's 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 a crazy place but anyway so that's i uh they called me because they wanted me to work on uh what they call the look of the games mm-hmm. and each each olympics has this and the idea for them in salt lake city is that the mountains are beautiful with the snow on them but uh the downtown of, of salt lake um when it snows it's great but then within a day it looks kind of like a city yeah um, so what they wanted to do was they wanted to take the 15 largest buildings in Salt Lake and put photographs on them. Oh, wow. Um, and part of the idea came from what Nike did in Sydney with um, their sort of was guerrilla advertising at the time where they, they went and put Rapid. photos on buildings. Yeah. Um, so they asked me if I would do that or if I could, I'd work on that. And we spent two years figuring out the best way to do it mm-hmm. and it was photographs of all the different um disciplines the sports okay like figure skating hockey all that sort of stuff um which we ended up shooting all in studio um because it just how it would work out we had to do computer simulations of the city and, and yeah. in the morning and the night with wow. lights hitting it and all that sort of stuff to make sure that everything would look good um and it ended up being um I think for me it was the largest gallery show I've ever had because <laughs> it was a it was a overall I think I had like a million and a half printed pieces that's insane <laughs> and when you got off the when you got off the uh, the plane you the first thing you saw was one of my photographs mm-hmm. and until you got back on a the plane they were everywhere yeah the, the largest was 900 feet by 600 feet and it was on the back of a stands grandstands uh, for ski jumping that you could see for 10 miles away because up on top of the hill that's that's a good feeling um, <laughs> but part of so and it's so that sort of started me on it and then part of that was after that was that i said i would like to photograph the games mm-hmm. and um so they uh offered me the, to do the commemorative book okay for the games and i quickly realized that um that i couldn't do that by myself yeah i mean there's just there's no way to cover everything and so i put together uh, a group of 11 other photographers yeah i think it was like you david burnett tiber yeah uh, a couple other guys it was amazing liz but yeah ray liz, meeks yeah ray meeks sheila metzner yeah it was a great book um yeah that was the uh, the group was great it was it was it was um basically i think liz was the youngest yep at maybe 19 or 20 oh yeah and um, and Sheila was the oldest, and she she's a fashion photographer, you know, for noted for her fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a very eclectic group. Yeah, it was just good to see everybody's interesting perspective on how they viewed the Olympics, and I think it was a smart way to do it. It wasn't this one voice is kind of because the Olympics is so 
big. Like it's good to kind of have a different voice, I guess. Yeah, and it's that. So, and we had crazy access to to things. Um, so that sort of started me on my Olympic Olympic journey. And then um, when Athens came around the next time, I contacted the um, the International Olympic Committee because I had, I had noticed that at Salt Lake there was a photographer who worked for them. Okay. So I thought, what the heck? And I got a name from somebody, and, and I sent an email out and didn't hear anything back for like three months, and it was like a month before the games started, and I got an email back said, hey, can you still come and do the games in August? Yeah, yes. I'm like, sure. <laughs> um, so that's how I started working with the International Olympic Committee, mm-hmm. and um, I've done the last nine Olympics. That's amazing. I've even seen on your website, you'll even photograph like the training. It looks like even before the Olympics games, you'll go out and kind of document some of the athletes training, I guess a little bit. Well, um, yeah, our mission, and, and um, I don't know if David Burnett talked about this much, but our mission is, is not to just, uh, focus on medal winners. Um, and even to a certain extent, um, we have, you know, the actual action, we do shoot the actual competition. Um, but they also, um, they also have a, a, a contract with Getty who, you know, they do amazing work and, and they, and they'll go to an event and have eight photographers covering the men's hundred meter final. Mm. And we have me yeah. or David yeah. sort of thing. You know, it's, it's not like there's a ton of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so part of what we do, we get there, we get there about a week or so early and then we're there for a couple of days afterwards. And so we'll go to um, the training sites. Okay. Um, and we'll get, we'll get into some places that, that the press generally can't get into. Mm-hmm. Um, and photograph people in a little more relaxed environments and that sort of thing and behind the scenes to give a, uh, a fuller picture of what's going on mm. um, at the games. Yeah. Um, but also, you know try to do it so like i followed um in korea i followed the uh, nigerian uh, women's bobsled so i followed them through training all their training course uh, the training runs and then i was with them when they did their competition and so my my main focus i i could photograph anything else i wanted anything happened to be in front of me but when they were around me that's who i was concentrating on mm-hmm. and so i ended up getting what i think is is a much fuller picture of this experience because this was the first time that um a team from africa had gone from any country had gone and and, and women yeah um and it was a big thing and it was very emotional for them and i ended up at the very end after they finished their last run um again because of my credential that i have i was able to go right up to them and at this point they were in tears hugging each other and they came in dead last yeah but they had done something that, they, they that would it. Inspire, inspire women in their country for forever other i mean and men too i mean what they did was amazing that they they went to the olympics they trained they qualified and they competed yeah and um you know there's i have the shot that um i really like is this, this girl is just this one tear coming down her cheek and it just to me was like this is she, she's not she's not crying because she won she's crying because she was competed hell yeah and that's what the Olympics are about yeah is getting there and that, that that that's amazing uh, it's like yeah the Olympics I would imagine you're there for three weeks you must be spent by the end of that three weeks you're photographing nonstop for three weeks basically yeah and and that's every once in a while I have to stop and think about that while I'm doing it 
Yeah. Um, because yeah, you are. You're. It's. It's. And I'm actually there for longer than three weeks. Okay. Um, but I'm, like, I'm just, I was there for the entire month of February. Mm-hmm. And it is just when you wake up in the morning until you go to bed at night. That's what you're doing. Mm. Um, and even da- David, when we were in Beijing. Um, David Burnett and I, we, we were we kept saying like, okay, let's let's get some lunch. You know, we got to have some dinner. You know, and then okay, we'll do it. We'll do it uh, on Tuesday. And Tuesday comes around, and I'm like, ah, David, I got I, there's the swimming thing. I have to go to the swimming event. I can't, I can't make it. Well, let's do it tomorrow. And finally, like, I don't know, it's the Olympics is 14 days and or 17 days, and I think on like day 13 or 14, yeah, we were both in the the press center at lunchtime, and we're like, let's go, let's go, let's go have some lunch, <laughs> and. It's it's that kind of thing. You just get so wound up into it that, mm-hmm. that you can't do it. And then we've walked out of the Olympic Park, and um, David pulled out his little camera. Which if you ever hang around with David, he has a camera with him oh, always, yeah. right? And he starts doing this little walking and talking movie. <laughs> and he's like, "I finally made it to Beijing. I'm out. I'm I'm out of the Olympic bubble. I'm walking down the street." And then of course. Again, walking with David is, is, is or just being around David. Um, he's walking down, we're walking down the street, and he stops and he's taking pictures the whole way. Yeah. And every time I, 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 I'm like three steps ahead of him, yep. and I've missed that picture. Yep. I, I, like, I saw the person standing in the, in the doorway, <laughs> and then when he turns to take the picture, then I was like, all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I could have <laughs> taken that picture. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, because like, uh, the Olympic Games is like there's so many different events. I, one that I particularly enjoyed, which I never thought I would enjoy, pictures of ping pong. You have these amazing photos on 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 your site of ping pong at the Olympics, and they're so dramatic and uh, they're amazing. And I guess like when you're going into the Olympic Games, you kind of have like a a plan in mind of the events you kind of want to photograph, or does it kind of change as you go as the Olympic Games kind of progress, or how does that kind of work? Yeah, the Generally, what it is is we have a photo briefing mm-hmm. that's very extensive. I mean, it's 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 many pages of of things that they want to do, and then they give us the opportunity to ask to to suggest like where we want to shoot, what event we want to shoot. You know, I want to make sure that I shoot this or this or this, um, and then they have, I mean, the matrix that they have to put together for this, and they have to make sure that it's covered the way they need it, you know, for what they need, for their needs. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you don't get to shoot what you wanted to shoot, but you shoot something else. Mm. And then as that progresses, as the Olympics progress, things change, stories change. Yep. There might be like a bigger story coming up on some on uh, over at the track and field that you need somebody there. Nobody was covering that. Yep. And so it gets switched. Um, in, for example, in, in Sochi, um, I had a... Uh, a rare morning where I wasn't, um, I wasn't shooting something and they have that sort of built into our schedules for us to kind of catch up and, and do some edits. Mm -hmm. And at 11 o'clock that night, I get a call and say, I need you to go up onto the mountain. I need you to shoot, um, snowboarding and, um, cross country skiing because they were postponed the day before. Okay. But they're both metal events. One's in the morning, uh, one's in, in the middle of the day. And I was always scheduled to do the, the evening shoot up on the mountain. 
Um, so I ended up going up to do that. I was on one mountain in the morning. I came down off that mountain, went up to another mountain in the afternoon, yeah. came down that mountain and went back to the mountain before in the afternoon. And that one day and that one change in my schedule um, produced to me what are, are the, I think my best photos of that whole Olympics. Wow. That's, um, that's... And just because of the weather, it actually snowed for the first time yep. in Sochi. And, and, and this is, you know, 12 or 13 days into the Olympics. Damn, that's intense. And do you have a preference to winter or summer, or one that you think you particularly like more than the other, or is it all just kind of... I think that the, the, the Winter Olympics lend itself to um, this more, uh, it's, it's more environment. Okay. Because you're on mountains and you're in snow, so there's like incredible there's, things for that. There's a landscape to it. Yeah, and, and, but there's less, um, there's less physical. So your people have goggles on or masks or, you know, helmets and stuff like that. Mm. Where at the Summer Olympics, it's more about the physical part of the athlete you're seeing, you know, because they're running in you know, tanks and, and you're swimmers and divers, you know, so you're seeing the human form a lot more. Mm. So that becomes sort of the aesthetic. And they can also have some beautiful, you know, scenics in it, but to me, not so much as the, as the Winter Olympics. But then in the Winter Olympics, you have to deal with the harsh yeah. heat cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Korea was bitterly cold and it 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 slows you down you know because you're you, it, just getting that motivation to take your hands out of your pocket to take a picture oh you yeah know, it's it's part of it yeah um but then also in the summer there's you're dealing with heat and and the sun and the sun's harsher winter has you know lower angle of the sun so you get beautiful light <laughs> at the end of the day but you don't have that as long and it's mm-hmm. i mean but I didn't think I answered your question very much. No, that makes that I, I didn't even think of that. Like in terms of like the physicality of like people aren't covered up. That makes perfect sense. It kind of changes the dynamic of your photos. That's uh, kind of interesting. Well, you get a lot more uh, emotion too mm-hmm. on the face. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course everybody gets Sean White. You know, because he, he he knows he takes off his yeah, helmet, yeah. he <laughs> takes off his goggles. <laughs> And he's facing the photographers. He knows his brand. And, and, he, and, you know, and then he, he'll wait till he does all that. And then he throws his board up in the air and screams. And he is directly at the photographers. That's funny. Because you see these people who've won for the first time. Um, there was an Italian girl who just won the um, snowboard cross race. And I have a nice shot of her. She's coming right at me. Yep. And she kind of falls down. She, and she's only 17. Yep. And... I don't know this at this point, but I, I find out to that later. And she comes right at me, and the emotion just was like, "Okay, here, there's some photographers are right here. This is your big chance to get, you know, that shot on that the cover of all the newspapers and everything." And it was just like nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And you're, and you're waiting for that helmet to fly and yeah. the goggles and you're stuff. Like, Shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, I almost wanted you almost want to like tell out like come on <laughs> but yeah you can't culture that so you gotta have, literally have her vote uh, that's funny um you get on to, can we go a little a couple more minutes i can go as long as you want all right cool yeah i have a few more questions uh we'll go a bit this is great um and one thing i was interested in talking to you about which i've seen on your website it seems like you're doing a lot more directing uh, like broadcast shoots and things um how did that kind of come about and uh did that kind of take you a while to get comfortable with doing that type of work yeah, that uh, that I've been doing that for a long time. I've been doing it for twenty years now, okay. or, or more. Um, 
and it was a situation where I got approached. There was a, a, a guy who I was using as a location scout okay. who also did location scout, scouting for, for film stuff or for TV spots. And he introduced me to the producer he worked with, and we had lunch, and he convinced me to do it. I had never even thought about it. I had no film background whatsoever. Mm. Um, to this day, I'm still not... I still get people's jobs and names mixed up as far as, you know, grips and yeah, gaffers yeah. <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's, I, 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 I thoroughly enjoy it. It's a completely different mindset. It's a different discipline, but with the same result. Mm-hmm. You know, you're trying to create something visual. Um, and, it, but it, you, you have to, in the photography world, you're sort of your own thing. You're your own boss. Yep. Like if, if I want to, you know, move a chair on set to the angle that I want it thinks it's going to look best, yep. I'll just go over and do it. Yep. Here, I have to tell an assistant director. They tell somebody on the crew. The crew starts to change it. The DP is just looking at the camera, and he's like, well, no, I don't like it that way. And then you, I have to talk to him about that, and then I have to tell him to move the camera over to here because I think it looks better here. And, uh, you know, could you adjust that light a little bit? And, and it has, it's, a, it's a bigger process. There's more people involved in it. And um, at first, I was almost sort of reluctant to let people do their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, finally, I think when I got comfortable with the fact that these are professionals and they, they actually know more than I do about what they're doing yep. and to let them, you know, do it. So it's, it's a, it's a, it becomes a much more of a collaboration in some points. Yeah. Cause what do you think the main, if you're directing it, what is your job? Like, obviously there's the DP. Is it basically you're just kind of managing everything to make it go smoothly or at the end of the day, what is it you think the key to your, what you're trying to accomplish? Um, mine is because what like in photography is the same thing but the the that by the time i get to the set i have spent probably three to four weeks with this um a doing the doing the initial phone call the conference call to talk about the job then putting a treatment together another phone call job awarded start start putting start building it mm-hmm. um you know locations casting everything and the director um like the photographer is part of all that yeah. you know and and um then you're putting together what is your vision and then you hire you hire your uh, a dp and and then the producer gets the rest of the crew together and mm-hmm. um you Again, you're, 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 the DP, you explain to him what you want. Yep. You picked him because you like his reel. And you want, you, and you, you kind of play off of that, say, you know, that spot you did for so-and-so, I really like the look of that. Can we mix that and make it look with, like, this one over here? And this is the story we're trying to tell. And then I'll let them come back to me and say, okay, I think we should use this kind of camera. I like these kind of lenses. And then... I do a lot of collaboration with DPs just because of I'm a photographer. Yeah. So, and most of the DPs have no problem with me, you know, going behind the camera and looking on stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's, it, it, and then it's controlling everything that's going on. Um, and the look and feel of it and making sure that, that 
I'm getting the performances that, that I need out of the out of the professionals. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I was curious about, like looking at your still work versus your motion work, are you trying to are you going after like the same aesthetic usually? Like do you want it to be like a cohesive look to kind of match your stills to your motion or is it you look view it as like two different things you think? Well, sometimes the, sometimes it is the same thing because mm-hmm. a lot of times um, nowadays um, I will direct and I will also shoot all the stills. Um, and for the most part, that's the most seamless way to do it. Because um, <laughs> photographers, because I, 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 I worked on film sets, uh, TV sets with um, as a photographer before I ever directed. Okay. And that's... Photographers in, in general get treated like second class citizens on that one. Yeah, I've done some of that. It feels like that. They're like, you stick you in the corner. It's like, get the hell out of the way, man. <laughs> who, who is this? What do you want? And, and, and there, there have been times that I was getting paid more than the director. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, okay, you get 30 seconds, go. Um, but, anyways, in those situations, I will, uh, that's another thing I work about with the DP as far as lighting and stuff, mm. be able to shoot what we need for motion and shoot print using the same lighting so I don't have to switch it up so I can go in after we've got our good take I go in take the shots that I need get out move to the next thing Mm -hmm. um I don't I I, I'm sure that there is influence from my photography on film but there's also influence from film on my photography Mm -hmm. because I'll I'll learn things from like the DPs that I didn't know you could do and then also sitting in the editing room and sitting with the colorist and doing the finish work um, so you're pretty hands-on with the edit and everything too. When I'm, when when I can, okay. when I'm allowed to. Okay. A lot of times it's you Just as a director. Once you've done it, it said gets, the final cut, then it gets passed it, off. it gets passed off to back to the agency, and then they start doing their thing. Mm. And do you find that these days a lot of the work you're doing specifically to the advertising that a lot of it is it's you're shooting a still campaign or like a like a motion broadcast campaign with the still component with it too is that a lot more of what you're doing these days you think um there, there's a lot more of that going on now mm. yes okay yeah and is that something do you feel like the still photos suffer when you have to like do two at the same time or is it this kind of more of this like uh production aspect to um no i don't think so because to me it's um i'm i'm thinking that way i'm thinking of uh, as a director and how to best do the tv spot Mm -hmm. but i'm also thinking as a photographer how i want to get what i want to get for this and what i need for whatever the layout is for that yeah um so in in a lot of ways i think it's, it's almost a better better way of doing it okay yeah that makes sense and uh, yes, yeah, a few more questions. Hmm? Uh, and I guess like at this point in your career, is like marketing your work something you still spend a lot of time thinking about? And is there like anything you've kind of learned over the course of, of your career on the way that you kind of t- tackle that aspect of it? Because it's like uh, I know a lot of photographers listening. Like, how the hell do I do this? <laughs> it's, it's a tough. It's a tough thing. But I, I, do you feel it's like important to be active in marketing your work? I guess. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is the magic bullet question. Yeah, man, you got all the answers, right, John? Yeah, yes, I, yeah un, un, unfortunately, no, there is no magic bullet. Yeah. Um, yes, I, you have to constantly be marketing yourself. Mm-hmm. Whether it's now, it's there's a lot more is is geared towards social media. Yep. Which I'm still haven't quite figured out yet i don't think yeah i saw you you kind of just got on i think instagram in the last year or so kind of or uh, a, couple a couple of years i've been a couple of years but I, it's like yeah i always thought of it because like 
are they going to own the copyright if I put stuff on Instagram? So I never did it. Yeah. And then I, then I, as, um, I, I guess I took Instagram literally. Yep. So I only posted things that I took with my phone that I, you know, p- took a picture <laughs> of today, like 10 yeah. minutes earlier. That's funny. Sort of thing. It's like, oh, it's supposed to be instant. No. Yeah. And then all of a sudden everybody's like, I'm looking and everybody's got their portfolio up there. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, yeah, because yeah, everybody's on there. On all the art producers, photo editors, they're out there. They're looking. But, and and the, the only thing that I... I take away from the, the, the social media stuff is that, 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 I, that I'm not I don't it's not that I dislike I, I, I like social media I'm on it I, mm-hmm. I like looking at other people's work I like seeing new work come in all the time but the the only sort of drawback to me is that um, it's you know a four inch picture yeah and it's and, and it, it's in some some way some things and, and again it's only something that's supposed to be meant to be there for a couple of minutes right but I watched uh, I watched photographers at the Olympics um, shoot swimming, and they shoot with a wide lens, and they sh- get the whole starting line, and gun goes off. They click 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 click, take the picture of the starting thing. They don't take any other pictures. They wait till whoever comes in first, and they take a picture of that, and then they take the start, and they crop in on that one person yeah. at the start, and they get a picture of them at the end. And it's cropped from you know a, a, a 35 millimeter wide lens down to this little shot, and then it's think, immediately uploaded to Instagram. And you can barely see it because it's like so small. It's, yeah, and it's <laughs> it, but the, in you know if you blew it up any bigger than, than your iPhone, it's mm. going to look like crap. Mm. But it looks it works fine on the iPhone. Mm. So I, I think I think that it just loses a little bit. It's like you asked about going to David's um, opening. Yep. That's great because you get to see David's work like big and yeah. beautiful and, you know, popcorn printing gorgeous images. and Yeah, you really get to take it in. I think, I mean, I mean, I do you still have a printed portfolio? Is that something you st- still stay on top of these days or not so much? No, I never liked printing portfolios because it took so long. Me neither. It's a pain in the ass, but when you're done with it, it does look nice. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It does. No, I think... Um, I'm going to th- I'm going to do something for printed work just because um, I like going out and talking to people. Yep, that's something you and still do. You go meet with like producers. And yeah, when I can, I, uh, going to agencies and talking with creatives and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fun thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I also like you know, I actually sometimes it's just for me it's better to just go out and like invite them to dinner okay it's like just you know we just we can just talk about it, whatever yeah, you know? yeah definitely. so it's not that pressure of being at work and showing prints but mm. i'm going to print something that i can bring so it's something that they can hold in their hand is what i'm what i'm trying to do yeah but as far as the the rest of the marketing it's it's whatever whatever works for you yeah you know it's just, you just never know where that that job's going to come from like you, you know, said, you got that Nat Geo job, never worked for him, never promoted to it. And you got that call. Yeah, it's and, just, and it just that just happened. And and where they ended up seeing that picture was in an award book. They saw the picture, or, or I've have people I've worked with that have seen something that I did eight years ago, and they said, "Remember when you the, the, this campaign you did this? Oh, I've been wanting to work with you ever since then." Yeah, and so it's just that it. I wish there was a magic bullet. I feel like I feel like I've, I could be wrong, but it, I mean, I haven't been doing this as long as you. I've been doing it like ten years. I think for me, the way I look at it is, 
if you can just continually stay in the game, just stay in the game, keep shooting little jobs here, and it's it slowly, it's it's a slow process. <laughs> like it's not like a five year thing or ten year thing. It's like you keep, you feel like you just kind of continually keep building on everything you've done over the course of your career. It's just kind of the more you do it, like more opportunities kind of present themselves, kind of. Right, and you you have to look at it as a career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always said that it's 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 almost easier to start than it is to continue it's like you can you can and i've known a lot of photographers over the years who were for the lack of a better phrase the the flavor of the month Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden they're like doing every ad and they're like on the cover of magazines and everything like that and then five years later it's like whatever happened to so-and-so yeah you know he was a really good photographer the hard part is you got to keep pushing forward mm-hmm. if you don't keep growing mm-hmm. it's it's you're 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 you're, you're gonna die yeah basically what it is it's a constant constant growth constant trying to change it and then, you know I, i've tried some new things that failed miserably mm-hmm. but it also led me to other things that i that worked worked well yeah you know and it, you just got to keep going yeah definitely and um i guess kind of looking back at everything you've done over the course of your career um, this is probably a really tough question. You shot a lot. Is there anything, any shoots or a project that you've worked on that kind of stick out in your mind as particularly memorable to you? Maybe either for the experience or you're just particularly proud of those photos in particular. Anything that kind of pops into your mind? I know it's tough. You've shot a lot. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where you 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 know you you go to the typical. It's mm. you know my favorite photo is the next one. Yeah, but. Um, you know, I think every, uh, everything I did have done, I I hope leads to the next thing. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I, I, I started out when we shot, I shot the, the Sergeant shooting for Reebok. We hired basketball players. We wanted people who actually could play basketball. So the only people we could get, because you can't hire college or high school people because of eligibility of an NCAA. Mm you have to go out and find people on the street. Yep. So I started shooting street basketball players and that led to the Soul of the Game book. And, it, and again, it was just something that sort of snowballed. We took a portrait of a guy after we were done shooting the Reebok stuff and, and it's like, okay, that ended up being the first uh, photo on the cover of the CA photo annual. Wow. And, it, and, that, and that led to getting a phone call for this. And then, but it also moved on to something else and and it's all progression and shooting shooting at the olympics somebody asked me if um when i'm shooting at the olympics what do i get from the olympics to you know what do you bring from the olympics to into your advertising and i i think it's almost the other way around i take what i know about advertising and i bring it to the olympics Mm. but i also learn about myself and how i see things and how um more uh, that it can help me Mm -hmm. and doing a campaign for Nike, same thing. And whether it's here or in China or someplace like that, you, you try to pull away from whatever you can from that to propel you forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's like, I, I've, I've probably could, if I sat down and tried to figure out the <laughs> crappy jobs, I could probably find, I'd give you a, a better answer for that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I would want to review crappy jobs. I get jobs, it. I think, I think that's a better answer than one you just gave. And uh, this is my last question. This is kind of, 
wrap this thing up is uh do you kind of have any goals for your photography or directing um moving forward anything you're hoping to work on or projects you kind of want to dig into um no i i think again it's 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 continuing to do what i love to do mm-hmm. uh, i i just you know, this is this is this is not work to me. I haven't worked a day in my life. Hell yeah, it's the best job in the world, man. Uh, I mean, I've been tired and, and run down and physically exhausted at the end of the day, but I still never worked that day. I was like, <laughs> I, I I still pinch myself, saying, "Oh my god, look what I'm doing." Yep. I'm I'm photographing this person, or I'm like doing this. It's like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I get to I get to spend an hour in a swimming pool with one of the best Olympic swimmers who, of all time. And, and hang out with them and talk to them. Yeah. And to me, that was, was just like as, as good as taking the picture. Hell yeah. The, the experience. Yeah. Um, but anyways, John, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Like I said, I've been following your work for over 10 years. Like I, I, I've spent so much time looking at your website and photos. So this was like a real treat for me. And uh, I guess for people listening, um, where's the best place to check out your work? Um, you can check out my website, which is just johnhewitt.com. Yep, and then you're on Instagram. Instagram um, at, at John Hewitt. Yep. I'll, I'll. I'm real tricky. <laughs> hey, keep it simple. <laughs> but anyway, thanks so much, John. So there you have it. That was the John Hewitt interview. I want to thank John so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Like I mentioned, I've been a big fan of John's work for many years, so it was a real pleasure getting to speak with him in depth about everything that he's done within his photography career and his directing as well. Um, So definitely go check out John's website at johnhewitt.com and his Instagram at johnhewitt. And uh, also going forward, just want to let you know, I'm going to be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes, SoundCloud, as well as on my website at alexgagnephoto.com. And on my Instagram, at Alex Gagne Photo. Thanks so much for listening, and take care.